The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. In the Old Testament reading appointed for the Feast of St. Matthias, the prophet Isaiah closes out his book with a final word of warning and judgment for Judah as to why they were going into Babylonian exile. And it's also followed by a word of promise and comfort that the Lord God would bring them out. And somewhere in the middle of that warning and promise, we are given a profile of the type of person that God condescends to and fellowships with. We are told about a person upon whom God looks with favor, kindness, and mercy. It's a familiar tale, but the people to whom Isaiah is writing thought that they could curry favor with God through human works and outward acts of piety. They even thought of the temple as an act of human achievement, a memorial of what man can do for God whenever we really put our minds to it. Now, it's not as if God is against human works or that God is against outward works of piety, and he certainly isn't anti-temple. He's the one who gives us his law. He's the one who gave his people, Israel, instructions for the building of the temple. He's the one who set forth the requirements of the priesthood and the sacrificial system. The problem isn't with the temple itself. The problem was the way that God's people regarded it. And so in turn, God would have no regard for them. Rather than viewing the temple as the central location where God's people would be met with his grace and forgiveness, it became a monument to human activities for God. But as if that could ever be the case, verse 1 of our reading says this, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. We are talking about the infinite God who spoke all things into existence and who even now is holding it all together simply because he wills it. And he continues, What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? Again, God is not anti-temple here. What he's opposing is the posture of the human heart that says, look at this awesome thing that I've done for God. God cannot be corralled by our human efforts, nor can he even be confined to a temple or a tabernacle. He does not dwell in temples made by human hands, as it says in a couple places in Scripture. Although he delights to manifest his presence there for the sake of his people. But his presence extends across all creation. He fills heaven and earth. He is both inside of time and outside of time, if you can even begin to fathom what that means. There is nowhere that we can go that God is not present. He doesn't need a temple to manifest his presence. He does not rely upon human works to activate anything within him. So what kind of person gets God's attention? 
what kind of person does God regard? This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We are not talking about a human work here. We are talking about a human disposition, a heart that is receptive to what God says and receives it in meekness, in lowliness. St. Matthias is most famous for replacing Judas in the office of apostle. Other than that, we don't know much of anything about him. After the disciples cast lots between him and Barsabbas to see who would occupy this newly vacant position, we don't hear anything at all in Scripture about Matthias. Perhaps what we're meant to learn from this situation is that anonymity brings God-honoring humility. What we can know about this apostle is that God knew everything about him and God used him in a powerful way. You see, God had regard for Matthias because this was a man who trembled at God's word. He was receptive to the Lord's will as evidenced by his obedience to the call into the apostolic ministry. At times, you and I hear God's word and we try to manipulate it to make it fit into what we're already doing, as if God's word has to give approval to everything that we are and everything that we do. And rather than good old-fashioned repentance and faith, we try and make atonement for our sins by laying out our good works before God. Rather than turning from those gross sins that plague us and that beset us, we would rather try to get God's attention in other ways. We treat God as if he needs us on his team, kind of like what the people of Judah were doing before the exile. It's not fun to admit, but admit it we must. We must confess it because there's a promise for us as we do. And the promise is that God has regard for those who tremble at his word. Meaning, whenever you and I allow the law to do its work, whenever we are receptive to being humbled by it, God looks upon us with favor and kindness, mercy and grace. God has regard for us. And before we're tempted to turn our own meekness and humility into a work that earns God's favor, let me remind you why God has regard for us in the first place. It's for the sake of Jesus Christ, the one who came in human flesh to bleed and to die for us, the one who trembled at his Father's word even when that same word drove him to the cross. God looks upon us with kindness and mercy for the sake of his Son, who is kindness and mercy incarnate. The same son who Matthias preached in his rather anonymous and humble ministry. I encourage you today 
to examine your acts of devotion and piety, assuming you have them, and reassess the motivations behind them, kind of like what we did on Ash Wednesday. Do you do these things? Do you, do you attend church? Do you give of your finances? Do you do good works in your vocations? Do you fill in the blank? Do you do these things so that you can score points with God? So that you can manipulate Him in some way? So that you can build your own monument of human works so that it might get God's attention? Or... Or are these things that you're doing a response of trembling to his word? There's a difference. Are these works the fruits of repentant faith? Are they the humility and the meekness to which Christ calls us? When we examine ourselves with any kind of honesty, we find that our motivations are anything but pure. But rather than giving into despair, and rather than giving up altogether and say, to heck with it, I'm not going to do anything good at all because my motivations aren't correct, let your own impurity drive you to Jesus, the one who promises to forgive you and to restore you, the one who empowers you to live according to his call. So may our gracious God look upon you today with his kindness and with his favor and during all the Lenten season. And may he grant us grace to love him even more for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ. Amen.